Welcome to CRE Success, the podcast, where we help people working in commercial real estate achieve their professional goals. Check us out online at cresuccess.co forward slash podcast. And now here's your host, Darren Krakowiak. Hello there. This is episode 20 in season two of CRE Success, the podcast. It is actually our 50th episode and the final episode of season two. I'm going to be changing the format and the numbering convention of the podcast from episode 51. I'll be telling you more about that in our next episode. Today, in the spirit of efficiency, I'm taking some content and repurposing it for the episode. Alison Weiss of CRE Recruiting is talking to me about accelerating career success and leadership in commercial real estate, or I guess more I'm talking to her because she's the interviewer. You may remember Alison from episode 15 in our current season. Well, this is from her podcast, which we talked about in that episode. Her podcast is called Growing Careers and Companies. Alison is a fantastic interviewer. I ended up sharing some things that I didn't expect to divulge in this episode. It's a little bit longer than most because it is content from another podcast, but I think you'll enjoy it. I'll share it with you in just 30 seconds. Now, the one thing that makes top performers in commercial real estate that no one else is talking about is going to be revealed very, very soon. You can register for the live and free workshops that are happening on Thursday, September 9th by going to our website, cresuccess.co. Near the top of the homepage, you'll see a prompt to register. There's one for Asia, there's one for Australia, and there's also another one for North America. For New Zealand, I think the Asia time is best for you. I do hope that you'll take the opportunity to join me live for this workshop so I can share with you exactly what the one thing is. And now it's time for the interview on CRE Success, the podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome to today's episode of the Growing Careers and Companies podcast. I'm your host, Alison Weiss, and I am thrilled to welcome our special guest for today's episode, Darren Krakowiak. Darren is the founder of CRE Success. After a storied career in some of the biggest brokerage environments internationally, Darren is a Australian who has dominated commercial real estate across multiple continents, including Asia and Australia and New Zealand. Darren and I are kindred spirits. We both understand how important it is to give and share and serve our communities with advice to help people take their careers and companies to the next level. And Darren does that through his platform called CRE Success, which is a membership program that he'll talk about in today's episode. Today's conversation with Darren includes advice from Darren's own entrepreneurial journey and the path from moving from large corporate environments into your own business, in addition to great resources and tactical advice for those who are looking to evaluate if they should stay or should they go during a period that some are calling the great resignation. If you are looking for great advice on getting your next promotion, navigating your career path, and taking your journey to the next level, listen in to today's action-packed episode with Darren Krakowiak of CRE Success. Well, I know um, there's a lot of listeners today who probably know who you are, but for those who haven't met you yet, tell us, who is Darren? 
Well, I'm a 41-year-old gentleman living here in Melbourne, Australia. I'm married with one beautiful daughter who turned one just last week uh, of what, this recording. So, uh, and last year I started a, a business called CRE Success. Well, I, of course, love the naming convention that you chose for CRE Success, being the founder of CRE Recruiting. But for the listeners who are not familiar with our industry, talk to us a little bit about what CRE Success is all about. Sure. So CRE, of course, is commercial real estate. And when I was trying to think of a name for the business, a couple of things came to mind. One was, well, what is it that I'm trying to do? Who am I trying to serve? And what is the outcome that I'm trying to produce? And that is success for people who were in the commercial real estate industry. And I kept coming back to the word success. And I did try out a few other words like leadership and a couple of other things. Um, the other thing that really influenced the word that I ended up on was, can I get at CRE success on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, <laughs> LinkedIn? Of course. And I could. So I thought, well, I'm going to take CRE success. So that's how I landed on the name. And how did you wind up launching such an entrepreneurial and exciting venture after such a long and storied career in the corporate world of commercial real estate? Well, I've spent 19 years in commercial real estate before I started the business, including 11 years living, living and working in Seoul, South Korea. And I came back to Melbourne in 2019. And when I came back, I sort of started to notice that there weren't, in my opinion, enough resources dedicated to commercial real estate professionals who are looking for modern and relevant ways to, I guess, accelerate their own success, whether that be using more up-to-date methods like personal branding on social media, whether that's using more leveraged ways to find, win and grow existing clients, whether that's through sort of traditional personal development resources, you know, like your, your Brian Tracy's or your Brennan Bouchard's or these types who I'd been following, but I didn't see a lot of that content inside of the commercial real estate industry outside of North America. So I saw it in North America a little bit, and I've been following uh, Rod Santamosmo for a lot of my career. But you say that name to people outside of North America, and you know, I've had the chance to speak to Rod and full respect to him. But certainly in this part of the world, not many people know who he is, and he's got all these great resources. So I wasn't modelling myself on him, but I did see the potential that existed for that type of business in this part of the world. And I figured that I've been in Asia, I'm here in Australia, and I believe that there is an opportunity to provide that support, to demonstrate that there are other ways of doing things as opposed to sort of the the old and crusty brokerage model, which a lot of people <laughs> in the industry want to stick to. So. I guess yeah. I took the leap in 2020 to start this business, and now it's been going for about 16 months. I love that. And you've said so many things that you and I totally align on. Our industry is not one that's necessarily known for being on the cutting edge and also not one that is focused on maybe this continuous development and growth and improvement. And those are all things that I really see in your career and in CRE success and your membership. So talk to us, maybe the next generation, the up and coming generation of brokers, what are the things that they need to think about differently, maybe than their senior brokers or the folks that are you know, on their teams and in their firms today? Well, I think one thing that's changing now is the idea that you need to be 
the hardest worker in order to be the most successful. And I think hard work is often defined by the number of hours that you work, for example. And, you know, I think a lot of people in the industry wear this this badge of honour, which is, you know, I, I've got a terrible marriage and I work 17 hours a day and you know, that's what's required in order to, to get things done. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I just don't know if that's necessarily the way. And it's certainly if you look in other industries, it's well accepted that you don't have to work the longest hours. The person who puts in the most inputs doesn't necessarily get the most outputs. It's about working smart. It's about being more leveraged. It's about doing the right things. It's about perhaps looking at some things that you have previously been doing that you might classify as sort of $10 an hour tasks, which perhaps yes. you could get will have somebody else do and you can focus your time on the $500 an hour task which is better reflection of your capabilities and your ability to earn income so these are the sorts of things that I think for someone new coming into the industry and of course the opportunity to create your own personal brand to not rely on the firm that you work for or the seniors that are in your industry to you know leverage off their relationships or their track record but rather to sort of start your own and to I think the opportunity that exists now to do it more quickly, it's an amazing opportunity. And we see people doing it in the residential real estate industry really, really well. And we're starting to see people do it in commercial real estate, particularly in America. And there's some fantastic commercial real estate influencers in the United States who I, um, I know that you're connected to, as, as I am as well, that I've been watching and, and learning from. And, you know, I want to, I guess, broaden that message outside of the sphere of North America and bring it into this part of the world as well. Well, I think the magic word in everything that you just said or at the root or the heart of this conversation is leverage. And it's such a powerful concept, the idea of working harder versus working smarter and, you know, your zone of genius and the tasks that make the most sense for you to tackle versus outsourcing. Talk to me about some of the most common mistakes that you see and how people are spending their time ineffectively and maybe some simple solutions that can be implemented to take care of those maybe more administrative tasks. Sure. Well, I think one thing that can be done is to do more research on prospects before you contact them and to actually have somebody else, whether it's a virtual assistant or whether it's somebody more junior in your team, be able to populate a spreadsheet of common traits that you're looking to find out about a prospect before you contact them. And it could be you might create a list of, you know, five or 10 things. And here in Melbourne, it might be, you know, try and find out their football team. In, <laughs> in the States, it might be what university they went to, um, you know, sure. their, their hometown previous companies that they've worked for, previous industries or pivots that they've made in their career. What are some things that you can find out so then when you actually go to contact them, you can you can contact them in a way which is more relevant that will resonate with them. Now, that research takes time and you do need to do the phone calls yourself, but that pre-work is something that can be done by somebody else. So then you can get into the zone and do your phone calls much more quickly and much more efficiently. Another thing that comes to mind is just the idea of doing phone calls and the phone call being cold, why not do something to warm up the phone call before you make the call? And the best way to do that that I know of is just through LinkedIn, through connecting with people, through yes. um, showing them something about yourself, through content that you share or comments that you make on other people's posts. And then you've got somewhere to go when it comes to actually starting that conversation. It, to me, it's a warm conversation because I've already connected with them. I've already had some point of contact and I know I'm much more likely to make a, a warm call than I am a cold call. So that's a couple of ideas, I guess. I love everything that you just said, because I think our industry, 
is hell-bent on forcing people into cold calling. Cold calling is the way. That's the only way to build your business. And I think anything that you can do up front to find that common ground, that research, that's what it's all about, is finding those connecting points and, and reaching out and, you know, putting maybe a, a like or comment on a post prior to picking up that phone. I do think goes such a long way in sort of bridging that gap and, and turning a cold lead warm. So I love that. Yeah. Thank you for that. And I think also phones are not the only pipeline that you can use to get into a potential client, right? Some people are really good on the phone and, and that is awesome. And phone continues to be important. We haven't seen the death of the phone when it comes to prospecting, but you know, there is email, there is social media, there is warm referrals, there is door knocking, there is networking events, there is the good old-fashioned letter. There are many <laughs> different ways that you can get into an opportunity and I think you've got to really be willing to try a range of different approaches and not just rely on one. So uh, leverage can not only be about doing things, you know, one action that can create many actions, but also it's having more tools in your arsenal so if one doesn't work that you don't keep banging your head against the wall trying to get in that way, you go, okay, they seem to be difficult to contact via the phone. What other, what other tools do I have that's going to um, allow me to have a conversation with this person? I love that. I think, you know, as much as we can expand our reach and our brand and utilize all these various different channels and platforms, the more successful we're going to be. So that's perfect. I want to switch gears a bit and talk about some of the work that you do with folks who are maybe more career focused. I think the time that we're heading into, some people are calling the great resignation, right? We're, we're sort of in this post-COVID, hopefully, world. And a lot of people have used the last 12 to 14 months to sort of consider what might be next for them. So how, if you're on the fence with should I stay or should I go, how do you help people to evaluate that? Well, I think it's really hard because I know that I've been in some situations where perhaps I should have taken the plunge to leave more quickly than I did. So first of all, I want to, I guess, express empathy for people who find themselves in that situation. I know it's not easy to take the plunge. There's a great song from Michael Jackson from the 80s, from <laughs> the Bad Album, which is, the, it was the third single and it's The Way You Make Me Feel, right? Remember that song? Such a great song. I love it. So you've got to think about like, how does it feel to turn up at work every day? And if it's mm. not feeling good, then, you know, <laughs> you've got to be willing to do something about it. Now, I'm not suggesting that you should quit and get a job that doesn't reflect your capabilities, but you need an exit strategy or you need to do something to try and change the situation. Because if you don't do anything, nothing will change. So while it's easier to blame everyone else around you about, oh, I work with these horrible people or this company doesn't really see me for what I'm worth, you've got some responsibility to do something about that. So if you see that there's a problem going on, take some responsibility. It's not everyone else's fault. It's also your responsibility to do something about it. See if you're not being recognized or valued, who can you speak to? What can you do that can change that yeah. situation? And, you know, do you see a future at the company? Now, if you don't see a future in that position or with that firm or with that team, then it's perhaps time to move on. But take some time just to figure that out because um, often there are ways that you can navigate, you know, yourself through a situation. You're, you're not necessarily at a dead end when you're, when you're turning up and you're not feeling good about things right away. 
No, absolutely. And I, I feel similarly. Before I launched CRE Recruiting, I spent a, a handful of years very unhappily. So I think it is hard to get that courage. I guess, what would you say to those folks? Maybe they're inside of companies right now, they have an idea for a business, or they just know that they have that entrepreneurial spirit. What advice do you have to those who are thinking about starting a business in this time? Yeah, look, I think that have a think about it before you do it because it's a big decision and it does require a lot of patience. It requires um, a lot of persistence. And I think that you need to appreciate that you're going to need to apply a different set of skills to that of being an employee within an existing organisation. Even if you're um, a leader within an organisation and, you know, I thought my leadership experience was you know, I've managed big teams and I thought, oh, I can run my own company. It's That's no problem. It's so, completely different. And, you know, one thing that I'd recommend that you do is to really speak to people that you know who run their own businesses and speak to them about the challenges that they face, um, what they're going through, whether they think that you're, well, not whether they think you're capable, but what do they think are your strengths and some things that you could perhaps think about and work on that so you can hit the ground running, so to speak, because... The first few months are really, really tough and yes. you need to be prepared for the fact that it's you're not just going to turn up and everyone's going to give you money and want to do business with you. It takes time. So try and be prepared for it. Speak to as many people as you can who also have businesses and just understand that what got you to this point in time is not going to get you to entrepreneurial success. It's going to be a different set of skills that are going to enable you to be successful on your entrepreneurial journey as opposed to your employee journey. I couldn't agree with you more. And I'd love to hear from your perspective. Like what is maybe the biggest skill that you had to cultivate within yourself when you took that leap personally to be an entrepreneur? Mm. Probably, well, yeah, a couple of things that come to mind. One is just that humility, I think, and the ability to understand that all of the things that I've achieved are not perhaps relevant when it comes to what I'm going to be able to achieve with what I'm doing now. So I shouldn't sure. expect for things to be handed to me just because I've, you know, got runs on the board as an employee when I'm an entrepreneur. So I really need to be humble. I need to come from a place of learning and growth and be really willing to uh, open my mind up to those opportunities. Um, now, the other one was you really need to sort of put yourself out there a lot more than you um, yes. did in the past. And, you know, put yourself out there as a sort of a corny term, but you have to because <laughs> yes. if you're not willing to promote yourself, if you're not willing to demonstrate that you believe in what you're doing, then who else is going to? Yes. So you must yes. have real conviction and belief for what you're doing and, you know, stand proud and tall when you're talking about what you do because that's going to go a long way to demonstrate to others that, there is some purpose to what you're doing and that there is, I think, you want to give some some other people an incentive to, to, to give you a go. And yes. by standing tall, even if it's on a very sort of shaky foundation um, <laughs> that, that, you know, is, is more on gumption than on um, results at that early stage of your business, you need to do that in order to attract people to want to do business with you. And then the foundations will get stronger and it will be easier to stand on that on that pedestal. Absolutely. I think what you're saying essentially is you have to believe in yourself first or nobody else will. 
And so finding that belief and really connecting with that is really going to help to drive your business forward. And I love that. Hey, it's Allison. I paused the episode quickly to ask if you've downloaded the Growing Careers and Companies framework. It's the nine things that we think that all the most successful careers, companies, and lives have in common. Check it out today at growingcareersandcompanies.com. Now back to the episode. I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about your experience overseas and working internationally. I know travel and working abroad is on the minds of a lot of our listeners, and I'd love to understand how you made that leap and what the transition was like for you. Sure. So I'd worked for a couple of Australian advisory firms, which were more, which were non-brokerage firms. But then I realized that I was curious about overseas opportunities. And if I wanted to get those opportunities that I needed to work for a firm that was global. And uh, an opportunity came up with JLL back in 2005. And one of the things that I spoke to them about was my interest in overseas opportunities. And to their credit, they said, look, do a couple of years and then we can talk about overseas opportunities. And a couple of years passed and then an opportunity came up um, the first one, which I didn't take, which was in Hong Kong, but then the second one came up, which was in Korea, which um, was a great fit, and I took it. So I think you've got to ask for the opportunities that you want, and you've also got to take on responsibilities when they're offered. So when I was in Korea, I was doing research and consulting for a year and a half, and then the global financial crisis happened, and mm-hmm. they needed somebody to take over tenant representation. And I'd been helping out a little bit in that area just as the native English speaker with uh, multinational companies that had people fly in on tours and stuff. But I thought, okay, well, why not? I'll I'll, I'll do that. And it was a great time to do it because at a time of a crisis, people are focused on other things. And what the tenant rep team in Korea was doing in terms of performance was the last thing on the decision makers' minds, right? So um, I had a good year to cut my teeth and to make mistakes and to sort of find my feet. But by 2010, we started to get a little bit more momentum and performance. And after that, I was asked to take over the leasing team as well. So I did that for a few years. And then in 2015, an opportunity came up at CBRE to run their career business, which I did um, until 2018. So I think you've got to really take the opportunities that are there, international opportunities. And I think I was probably on the tail end of when sort of expat packages sort of still exist. Um, They're probably a little (laughs) bit less available now. And I don't know what the impact of COVID-19 is going to be and also the impact of virtual working and meetings and stuff, whether that means there's going to be less need, more need for expatriates from Western countries in particular to go to non-Western countries. I, I think that probably the impact might be that there's less opportunities. With that being said, though, I think there's going to be less people who are willing to do it. So still there are might be less opportunities, but there might be a smaller talent pool, talent pool to pick from. So I think if you're interested in those opportunities, you've got to really state that you are. The idea of yes. working overseas is not everyone's cup of tea. In fact, many people think that it's not what they want to do at all. So if it's something that you want to do, state that you want it. Make sure you're working for a company where you can see that there's a pathway where there is evidence of other people being given those opportunities and then make sure you're speaking to the right people about grabbing those opportunities when they're available. You've got to let people know that you want them 
the company is not a mind reader, right? So kind of like when you're in a relationship, when you want something from the other person, you've got to tell them, <laughs> otherwise they don't know. Exactly. <laughs> so if your love language is working internationally, you have to express that. <laughs> Correct, yeah. I love that. So talk to me about, I guess, the transitional part of working overseas. What were the learning curves culturally or the hiccups that you experienced? And what was the biggest takeaway personally to you from that experience? Look, I, I think my role was really um, to be a bridge between the local business and the global business. And whether that was within the organizations that I was working for, so helping the local teams leverage the global platforms of JLL and CBRE and making sure that we're applying best practice and a certain standard that our clients were expecting on a global basis, or whether it was working with decision makers who were overseas on behalf of our clients and just helping them understand things like local market nuances, the way that their local employees are likely to see certain situations and how they can make sure that they're making decisions which don't grate against the local local team. So that required, I think, some nuance, which perhaps I you know, had to develop over time. It meant that I needed to really, and it took me some time to do this. I was probably for a few years really, I don't know if I'd say, I wasn't disrespectful, but sometimes I was a little bit intolerant of local culture and I'd get frustrated. And, um, you know, Korea is a really different place. Like in, sure. in Asia, it's sort of like hard Asia, whereas Singapore and Hong Kong are easy Asia. And um, <laughs> Japan, Korea and China are, the, you know, really different. And someone said to me one time, which was really good advice, and he said to me, Darren, you can't change this country one person at a time. And I thought, well, that's, that's a really, that's true. Like, you know, if, if I'm in the back of a taxi and a taxi driver's driving like a maniac and, you know, I want to yell at him, there's not really any point because he's not going to pass it on to all these taxi driver mates and tell him, you know, we're not supposed to drive like maniacs, <laughs> right? Um, so that helped me understand that there are some things that I should just accept. And, you know, the skills that I picked up, I think, were patience and, you know, also cultural understanding, respect for other cultures. Yeah, th these were some things that, I picked up um, and also I think it helped me deal with, uh, I was given leadership opportunities which I wouldn't have gotten if I was here in Australia. So that really helped me develop my own leadership skills. As part of developing leadership skills, I think there are times when companies invest in leaders and provide things like whether it's executive coaching or leadership assessments. And you know, through those leadership assessments, I learned that you know perhaps one of my weaknesses was a little bit of arrogance. So yeah, it was helpful <laughs> to hear that. It was helpful to hear about the fact that maybe I was a little bit impatient at times as well. And no one would have told me that unless I'd gone through this 360 assessment and I'd heard it from, you know, 14 different sources anonymously. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I should work on that. So um, <laughs> these were all things that I learned in my time in Korea. I love that. And you you said this word a couple of times throughout our conversation, and I know it was almost the name of CRE success, but this idea of being a leader. I think leadership is really changing and we're sort of at a pivotal moment in time, both in our industry and I think in the world. What do you think being a leader today really requires and means? Yeah, I think Nowadays, it's about more than just being the, the biggest dog in the kennel, right? So within commercial real estate, it used to be that the biggest dog or the biggest fee owner was just the leader because that's the way it is. And, you know, be damned if that person has no leadership or people skills. 
If they're the biggest earner, we better keep them happy because we don't want to upset them because the big dog might bite if they're upset. So true. Nowadays, I think that there's, you know, an understanding of things like EQ. There's an understanding of, and I don't think IQ is that important in um, our industry, but EQ is becoming more important, interestingly. So there's this importance of emotional intelligence. Um, You need to have a, a, a variety of skills. You need to... I think also be willing to accept the responsibilities of leadership and want to become a better leader. So it's not enough just to say, yes, I want the responsibilities, but then you need to also be willing to get better at it because leadership is a skill. Maybe some people are naturally more inclined or more predisposed to some of the to deliver on some of the skills that are required to be a good quality leader, but certainly anyone can be a better leader just by working at it. So You've got to be willing to work at it. I think companies need to recognise that in order to create the culture that they want to create and to actually espouse the values that they claim to espouse, that they've got to have people in place that are leaders that don't grate against those values. And I think that some companies are doing that. Some companies are still going through that journey. Other companies haven't really started to confront that. And, you know, I, I see that as an opportunity for my business, because I know that there are people who are working inside organizations who are, and a lot of them are very strong-willed people, and they can say, you know what, this person is not a great leader, but I'm going to continue going on with what I'm doing, and it's fine. But they might need some other outlet or some other voice or some other place to go where they can just get some support, where they can be a part of a community which is a bit more like-minded with them, where they can focus on some of those skills that they want to develop in themselves. And yeah, there's some thoughts on on leadership, Alison. I love that. And I think it's a perfect segue into how you cultivate and provide support and build leaders within CRE Success. So talk to us a little bit about the membership and the platform and who it's for. Sure. So um, I I think in our pre-discussion, I mentioned that I'm involved in Tribe, the Tribe experience with Stu, uh, Stu McLaren. And one of the parts of this process is that you've got to develop a positioning statement. So I'll, I'll test out my positioning statement on you right <laughs> now, it. Alison. So it's I equip commercial real estate professionals with proven client attraction and retention systems so they can save time, earn more, and live the life they desire. So that's I love it. What I, I think do. you nailed it. That's great. It took me a long time to get there, I can tell you. It's hard. So it's it's for client-facing and revenue-generating commercial real estate professionals. Most of the people are working within commercial real estate service firms. You know, there's people inside from Collier's, JLL, CBRE, uh, Savills, Knight Frank, and there's also many people from smaller firms as well, independent firms, national firms, but domestically national, not international. There are a couple of people even from outside of that. I've got someone from Steelcase inside the membership, for example. So there's this broad variety of people. And I think what I'm there to do is to help them find, win and grow their client base. I'm there to help them with the personal branding stuff that we talked about earlier, time management skills, so helping them find new and better ways of getting their work done a little bit of mindset stuff as well. So just setting a vision and helping them understand what is possible for the future and then having the gumption, if you like, to then go ahead and pursue that with the support of the platform and also leadership, which we've talked about a bit. So I've kind of broken it into um, five stages of a success path, which you, I'm sure you're familiar with this concept. Yeah. Well. I've called it the path <laughs> to success in commercial real estate. Because I'm I love it. So creative. I love it. And um, so I think the five <laughs> stages are procrastinating, producing, progressing, prospering, and prolific. And what I'm trying to show 
people is that no matter what the stage of your career journey or success path that you're on, there's a contribution that you can make and there's also a benefit that you can take from being inside the community. We've got members at the moment from eight different countries, which is fantastic. Wow. Some of those countries are only one person. So, you know, it's not this huge membership yet, but I think there's potential, right? There's potential for yes. this to um, resonate with people in different markets, in different sectors. And, um, you know, my job now is to communicate the value of being in the membership and to grow it. So that's my responsibility. So, um, you know, I'm going to do another relaunch soon. And, you know, I'll tell you later about how you can uh, register for that wait list if you want to. I love that, Darren. And I, I think one of the things that you said to me that really resonated is the success path and all these different steps on our individual journeys And I'm thinking about the folks who are sort of in the middle. Maybe they've reached sort of a a peak that they can't overcome. They're sort of stuck in a rut. What do you say or how do you encourage folks to overcome that stuckness? Hmm. Look, I think it's about working through the situation that you're in and just understanding that there are roads out. And I think often people, when they get stuck, they just, there's this repetitive loop that goes on in their mind and they think that there's nowhere to go. And all they need is just another perspective. So if you find yourself getting stuck, talk to somebody because somebody else will be able to offer, it could be just one word or maybe it's just one idea that will then open your mind up or at least create a little crevice that exists over all that stuckness that that you can move through. So Uh, If you are stuck, speak to somebody and, well, try and get unstuck yourself, right, if you can, but don't burden yourself with being stuck forever, right? There's There's nothing wrong with asking somebody for a bit of help. And I think sometimes people feel ashamed or that other people don't want to help them. I've always found people do want to help. In fact, people like to help. They love it when you go to somebody and say, hey, I've been just this thing I'm stuck with, can you... Can, can I just bounce this off you for a second? I think you might be able to help me out with it. People love that. So ask them, give them the opportunity to help you. And uh, people will remember that, the fact that you've come to them. And I'm sure that they will value it. And it's going to make, they'll remember how you made them feel. They won't remember what you asked them, but they'll remember <laughs> the pride that, that you that they feel by being the person that has been asked for help. Yeah. Well, and you don't want to deprive people of the good feeling that they get when they're helping you. And I think, too, what you said, the idea of this loop that you get stuck in, I get stuck in those loops, too. And sometimes just picking up the phone, sending a quick text message, that little ray of light or that little perspective can be the difference maker to to sort of break you out of that pattern. So I love that. How can our listeners learn more about CRE Success and connect with you and get on the wait list for your next launch? Very easy. They can go to CREsuccess.co forward slash membership. So go there and you'll see, depending on which holding pattern I have at the time, there might be a big smiley picture of me um, or it could be (laughs) a picture of a path, but I promise you there will be something there that you can, um, you'll get a free gift as well when you register for the wait list. So check out CREsuccess.co forward slash membership. I love that. I personally think you should have the first birthday pictures of your daughter because they were really adorable. <laughs> Thank you. I, I just replaced the um, the desktop image on my computer with that. So Aww. I'm very happy with it. So cute. <laughs> 
Well, Darren, this has been so much fun. We have three final questions that I'm so excited to ask you. And the first is one of my favorite. And that is, what is the lesson that's taken you the longest to learn? Yeah, I think it's, um, we, we got into it a little bit before, and I think it's the importance of taking responsibility and, you know, being responsible for how it is that you get along with people. You've got to ultimately be take responsibility because you're responsible for what's going on in your life, not somebody else. So yeah, the other one I would say though that I thought of is uh, moderation and balance. Mm. So um, I'm probably a little bit of an extreme person and that's manifested itself in positive and negative ways in my life. So I think another lesson that I can, that, that took me a long time to learn that I think I'm getting better at learning is the, the importance of moderation. I love that. I, I'm good with moderation unless we're talking about Oreo cookies. That's my <laughs> that's my advice. <laughs> so we also talked about the Growing Careers and Companies framework, which are the nine different things that we believe the most successful companies and careers have in common. And the two that you say mean the most to you are vision and growth. So talk to me about what vision and growth have meant in your life. Yeah, so with vision, I think, you know, when we talk about it from a company perspective, it's something that is often an internal statement. It's not necessarily a, a client-facing statement, but it's something that I think we wouldn't be too worried if a client became aware of it. So I think that's one thing to think about when you're developing a vision. Um, and I think you want to make sure that it's in alignment with the values and also the purpose. And yes. I think vision is also about creating I was going to say creating a vision, but I can't use the definition of the word. <laughs> I can't use the it's word okay. in the definition, but it, it's creating this um, this this picture of what the future looks like, right? And and how it this possibility. So I think vision is is those things, and growth. I think growth is so important, and some people are a little bit scared of growth. And I would encourage you just to think about what is possible, and then think again and think bigger because. If, if you and I talked, Alison, about our podcast and we said, well, how do we increase our listenership by 3%? And then we talked about it later on and we said, well, how do we increase it by 50%? We're going to come up with better ideas when we're talking about yeah. 50% than 3%. So yes. um, you've got to be obviously realistic, but I think thinking big and setting yourself some big stretch targets in terms of the growth that you can achieve is really important to bringing out better ideas that are ultimately going to achieve to bigger results if that's what you're looking for. I love that. Do not think small, think big. What do you hope, Darren, that viewers or listeners are going to take away from your story today? Look, I, I think I managed to achieve some things potentially before my time. And I, I achieved those because I was willing to pursue my potential and because I was willing to not listen to naysayers who may have said that you're too young for this or you don't have the right experience or you know you don't have the right pedigree or who do you know or what do you know in order to do this and I think you've just got to sometimes back yourself and go ahead and do it so that would be the one thing I would take go, go I hope people take which is to go ahead and just do things and remember support is available if you need it and um, go out there and make sure that you also prepare for what it is that you're going to do right because um, if you're going to actually back yourself, and I don't think you should do things in order to prove people wrong, but I think it's good to be able to demonstrate that you've got the capability. So um, if yeah. you've got to back yourself, give yourself the best opportunities to, to succeed by doing a little bit of prep and preparing yourself for, for that bigger responsibility or that big role that you're taking on. 
I love that. So good. Thank you so much, Darren, for the time today. I'm sure our listeners have so many juicy takeaways and I really appreciate your time. For more information about our guest, visit cresuccess.co forward slash podcast. And now a final thought from Darren Krakowiak. Thank you so much for having me on your show, Alison, and for allowing me to uh, use that interview for this podcast. Well, today is a wrap on season two. We've just finished another 20 episodes, plus four bonus episodes that we brought to you through the second quarter of 2021. Now, we've released 50 episodes now. I don't know if that's an accomplishment in itself as much as it is, say, an activity, but I do want to say thank you to our sponsor over the second half of this second season, Released. And of course, I want to say thank you to you for listening. Remember, there is a whole back catalogue of content available for you to listen to. If you enjoy the podcast, do rate and review us so more people can find the content. You can do that just by opening the app that you're listening to us on and putting in a five-star review if you're on Apple Podcasts, for example. And I do hope that you'll stay with us for the next phase of the podcast, the next iteration. We've got a new, I would say, feel and sound. It's not a look and feel because it's a podcast, but it might be a look as well, just a little clue of where we're moving towards in terms of uh, the next stage of the podcast when we bring you episode 51 next month. I'm looking forward to sharing those details with you. Thank you so much for listening, and I will speak to you soon. Thanks for listening to CRE Success, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to leave us a five-star review. For more information about the show, just check the show notes on your podcast app or visit us online at cresuccess.co. 90% of the world's data was generated in the last two years. Credia is a business intelligence and analytics tool for commercial real estate professionals. Using real-time insights, track key portfolio metrics and benchmark against the market so you can make faster and well-informed decisions. With live dashboards and bespoke reporting, impress both your executive team and your property clients. It's time to turn data into your most valuable asset with Credia from Released.